Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Actually, we have a, a really special treat now that Mark and Ann are back. Uh, some of you may know the miracle story. Uh, some of you may not. But on this Mother's Day, I thought it'd just be a great opportunity for, uh, to have Ann just share her story, uh, her journey, journey into motherhood. And uh, I think you'll be blessed. We're going to start off by, with a little video. Um, and it just talks about uh, on a TV station in Texas where they had the baby. Uh, Telling about their miracle. So start with that, and then we'll do a little interview with, with Anne about the things she learned in her journey to motherhood. Tonight, a Mother's Day that seemed impossible. For 38-year-old Anne Briggs, having a baby was something she always wanted, but wasn't sure she'd ever have. But now her dream is coming true, celebrating for the first time with her brand new baby girl. Janelle Bluta has the miraculous story. This is Abigail Hope Chung. Only seven weeks old, Abigail Hope Chung's little life is nothing short of a miracle. Tell me about her middle name. That is the theme of her life. Oh my goodness. For starters, Abigail Hope's mere conception seemed impossible. I knew it was going to be a struggle to um, have children. As it had been 12 years since mom Anne had a natural period. I was taking um, birth control pills, so I was having it like induced. But if I stopped, um, it would, yeah, I wouldn't have a cycle. But Mark and Anne wanted a baby, so they tried IVF in March 2021. It didn't work. But out of nowhere, a few months later, Later, she had morning sickness. She took a test, but didn't believe it. You took the second one and it came out positive. I was like, Mark, we have a baby. Astounded and elated, but the couple's excitement came crashing down at their 20-week ultrasound. She was diagnosed with pearl effusion, which means there's a fluid inside her chest cavity. With fluid in her chest, Abigail's lungs and heart wouldn't fully grow and would likely be fatal for the baby. Living in Taiwan at the time, the couple had two failed procedures and three different doctors telling them to end the pregnancy. Just told us, yeah, the prognosis is pretty bad. You should consider abortion. Until they met Dr. Ramesha Papana with UT Health Houston. These are the stories that actually makes us keep going. Running out of time and options, Dr. Papana told the couple to fly to Houston, but the procedure needed a specialized shunt, which he didn't have. But a colleague in Canada did. He shipped it overnight, arriving the same day as the couple on Christmas. The most important for us was baby was alive. Um, I wasn't sure that would be the case. The next morning, the procedure to save Abigail's life took only three minutes. Everything after that, the pregnancy, delivery, and the baby, all as healthy as can be, those lungs fully developed just two months before Mother's Day. It truly is beyond my wildest dreams. Abigail Hope bringing this little family more than they ever imagined. She really taught us to hope for the impossible. In Houston, Janelle Bluda, KHOU 11 News. <laughs> Come on up, Ann. 
already crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for just being willing to come on and share your story. It's so amazing. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in, in this whole journey, I mean, it's been quite a journey. Mm. How long were you guys in the States? 16 months. 16 months. Yeah. So amazing. What have you really learned about the, the love of God and, and um, on this journey into motherhood? Yeah. Um, oh. um, first, I just want to say um, we learned to receive love in a way that I had never had before. And so much of that came directly through you guys, the church body. Um, and, you know, it says in Romans to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you guys wept with us when we were weeping. Um, and you're rejoicing with us now. And we are so, so thankful because I, I can't imagine how this story would have played out without that spiritual family mm -hmm. and that love of God flowing through you guys, whether it be putting money in our bank account or sending notes and um, just so many blessings to us from afar. Um, and a special shout out to Peter and Linda, uh, who had daily prayer meetings for us mm -hmm. during that whole month of December where we were on our knees just crying a lot. Um, it, it meant the world. So thank you guys. Um, and I think I'm a doer. I like to. I like to give. I like to help. I like to um, pour out. But this was a um, experience, you know, over a year where we were so vulnerable and just on the receiving end of receiving God's great love flowing through many others. We showed up in America. You know, we had to quit our jobs. We didn't have a house. We didn't have health insurance. Like we just came with this like crazy hope in our heart that maybe God could save this little one that he had given us. And every step of the way, he just blew our socks off of, uh, with his love, with his yeah. great love that we sung about this morning. So that's yeah. huge. Wow. It was what quite a journey. Mm. I remember those nights of just praying and talking, should we go, not go, you know, what, mm -hmm. and then just, yeah, Christmas, zoom, God. Yeah, we left uh, Christmas Eve. We decided to go Christmas morning. We flew out. So yeah, when they turn around. Amazing. Well, you know, there's so much love, so many people surround you during this time. But what would you say for people who are wanting to be moms? And, and even this time, I know it's difficult for those who uh, want to be moms and, and uh, have had struggled or, or have not been able to be moms. Yeah. What would you share with them? Um, I pulled off of our, uh, what do you call it in English? Uh, refrigerator, refrigerator door. Um, the uh, picture that actually was on that uh, movie clip um, of me on Mother's Day two years ago when they had that cute little, you know, photo booths mm. up. And um, I had found out just weeks before that our IVF had failed. Um, and it was a very painful time and uh, just kind of a huge disappointment. And I remember little Caleb Na. Y'all were handing out flowers and to the moms, and Caleb Na, who was 10 or something, came up to me and handed me a flower, and it was just like, oh, like my heart, you know, I, I, I longed for that. And um, I think my, like, I love this of just remembering, remembering our stories, I think telling our stories, sharing our stories with each other so that they can be involved and supportive in prayer is huge, and to just fix, keep fixing our eyes on Jesus, you know. Turn your eyes um, upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face um, because he gets it. He understands. Um, and I also 
think the pain and the grief and the disappointment are so real um, and really hard and messy. Um, and I've been learning a lot about lament in this season, um, learning to lament and turn toward God with the authentic just messiness of our emotions um, and to stand in um, trust in who he is and uh, stand in hope um, even in the midst of all that pain and grief. So if you're in, if you're, if you're in a time of grief and longing or loneliness um, and want to learn more about lament through art or writing or music, um, that's something I've been learning about. would love to walk with you in that and learn about it together. But um, fix, fix our eyes on Jesus. I think that's the main point I would wow. share. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, one last question. Uh, yeah. And thanks so much for, for taking the time to share. But um, in this journey that you've gone through, what would you say is the greatest, greatest gift that you've received from God or, or what has God taught you about giving? Is, that's the topic of our, our mm-hmm. sermon today. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned like how um, my giving on my human strength just doesn't cut it, <laughs> doesn't go far enough. But when we rely on his power and his spirit within us flowing through us, kind of like Stacy was sharing earlier of him being the source, everything flows forward through us. Um, that's just where life is, less of me, more of him, um, death to self and more of his life flowing in us. Um, so, um, you know, something that Abigail teaches me is like in our in our home, we try to say I love you, like to verbalize it often and randomly just I love you. And Abigail, we just both Mark and I just have these bursts of love for her, you know, just I love you. And I feel like that's the father's heart toward me. And me feeling that towards her has reminded me like God feels that towards me every day. Like, can I be awake to him telling me all throughout the day he loves me? Um, tune into that. And and then out of that overflow, pour it out to others and share it with others. Um, but I had never experienced that those like just there's no reason I love her, you know, it's just, it's so deep. And um, I love that God has used that to reveal his heart toward me. So, so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And thanks so much for sharing. It's so great yeah. to have you guys home back through this amazing journey. Thanks again so sure. for sharing. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Well, that's, um, that was powerful. Um, Normally on Mother's Day, uh, we try to get a mom to come up and share, uh, or I like sharing stories about my mom. I think every Mother's Day, you hear stories of my mom. She's 95, and so there's been a lot of stories. Uh, uh, But today, as we go in, we're going to just talk about um, two really special uh, women in the Bible. We're we're continuing on with our Red Letter Challenge series. And we've done, we've gone through, we're on week number four. So this is our second to the last uh, topic. Be, forgive, serve, give, go. And for those of you who maybe are new, Red Letter Challenge is really about us wanting to become more like Christ. People have so many different opinions of church and so many different opinions of Christianity that they get from looking at us as Christians. Uh, And what we want to do is bring that back to what is the church actually supposed to look like? And what should we as Christians really look like? And we find we discover that by becoming more like Christ, spending time with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. 
And so that's what the Red Letter Challenge is. It's we're studying some of the, the key topics that Jesus taught us and that he demonstrated for us and talked to us about when he lived on earth. And it refers to the fact that a lot of different versions of the, of the scriptures, um, all the words that Jesus spoke are written in red rather than black. And so um, today we're covering the topic of give. And this is which we thought was just appropriate for Mother's Day because that's what moms do. From sunup to sundown, moms just give. You know, they cook. They, I, I love that story that uh, Armand shared last week of uh, the little boy with his mom and how he was trying to collect um, um, uh, money for his chores, all the things that he did for mom, putting with the dishes and stuff, you know, $5 and, you know, fixing my bed, $5. And then mom's just made a, a few lists for, you know, carrying you for nine months, zero dollars, you know, for making you breakfast and lunch and dinner every day, zero dollars. Washing your clothes every day, zero dollars. You know, all this, all the, all, all these taking care of you when you're sick, zero dollars. Um, just a lot of love. And that's so true for all of us, our experience with our moms. And so today we're going to talk about giving. And what does Jesus mean? What did he mean? There are many uh, theologians tell us that giving was the thing that actually Jesus talked about the most in scriptures. And, but what did Jesus mean when he talked about giving? And what does that mean for us as we look to become more like him? All right, so theme scripture for today, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So those last words there, this is actually, taking, this is actually um, Paul speaking. But he quotes Jesus. And, and it's interesting because it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, we don't find those in the gospel stories of Jesus, but Paul quotes that as what Jesus said. And so for you and I, when, as we discover giving, we often think of giving as, as being what we do to bless others. But Jesus said the opposite. He says, actually, you get more blessing out of giving. And so what was Jesus referring to and how does that affect our lives um, a quick little overview. We're going to look at two extraordinary, um, extraordinarily gr generous women in the Bible. One who had, who just gave a, a, a tiny amount, just a meager giving, and yet Jesus said she was extraordinarily generous. And another who gave extravagantly, and Jesus said, "This also is a woman of extraordinary generosity." And so, would you join with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, just studying Jesus and the ways that he lived and, and what he taught us. Father, today as we look at these two extraordinary women, we ask that you would um, speak to our hearts. And that, Lord, through your word, as, as, we, as we look into it and, and as we study Jesus' teachings, that, Father, we'd become more like you that you would enlarge our hearts, that we would become generous people and a reflection of our Heavenly Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at the first woman. Uh, is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Meager, meager giving. This is, meager just means a tiny amount, just a, you know, the bare minimum. That's a meager, meager giving. So this woman that we were looking at in Mark chapter 12, she only had a meager gift to offer to the Lord. And yet Jesus said, this is a woman of 
incredible, extraordinary generosity. And so Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, read that together. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. So this widow, no longer having a husband, perhaps a single mom, we don't know. But we do know that when she dropped these two coins, and, and uh, the Bible says, it, historians tell us, these were the two smallest Jewish coins, like a Jewish penny. And two Jewish pennies made up one Roman penny. So when she dropped those two, uh, those two coins in, uh, it's interesting as you, you try to get a valuation and say, how much did those two coins, what did they, what's in today's value? And it kind of got, goes all over the place from uh, like two Taiwan dollars to 20 Taiwan dollars. But somewhere in between that, there's a picture of um, the, those two, the Jewish coins, the smallest Jewish coins made out of copper. And there's a lot of them around today that you can find because... Um, they found piles of them, and you can buy one for $25 to $50, yeah, U.S. dollars, which I don't know how much is in Taiwan dollars. For just $25 or $50 U.S. dollars, you too can have one, you know. Um, <laughs> one of the, the widows, they call it the widow's mites, because in, in English, they, they, they use the word mite for these coins. But so this woman came, and Jesus says, I'm not sure how he knew, but he said, that's, the woman dropped, gave all she had. She dropped him into the offering into the offering box in those days they just would have these boxes i think there were 13 boxes set around the temple and as people came they would just drop off if they were giving coins rather than animals for sacrifice they would just drop them in in these boxes and the bible says how jesus was he sat there near the collection box and he noticed all the different people dropping money in but he said this woman who probably dropped in the smallest amount she gave the most. And what that teaches us is that God sees things different from the way that we do. And God notices what we most often overlook. And I think of that especially about moms on this Mother's Day, how so often the love of moms, like little, I think it was Charlie, his name is his mom that, that Armand told us about last week. You know, we overlook all the things that our, that our moms do for us. And that really is such a reflection of God so many ways, in so many ways that God has blessed us and given to us. And I think it's, you know, we, it's, it's, this is a good day to just pause and remember all the ways that both our moms and God have blessed our lives. I know recently just walking through, you know, uh, my mother-in-law's passing um, and different ones in the congregation, you know, I, we've just walked through different moms passing. And there's always such a deep grieving when our moms pass. But one of the things that, that I find helps people as they've walked through this, the grieving process is, is to realize that the, the reason why there's such a deep grieving is because of how much our moms have poured into our lives. And so then we, we miss that. But one of the ways that, that, that helps us is, is for us to take a, a moment to pause and just to remember all the good that our moms have done for us. God sees the hidden things that people do. 
And so in our giving, it's interesting how the religious leaders of the day, they would come and make a big fanfare in, in how much they were giving. And the whole giving, the whole thing of giving became a big money-making deal for them in the temple. In fact, the, the first day that Jesus came to the temple, this is the last week of his life uh, that this is taking place. The first day that Jesus came to Jerusalem, he spent a week there. He just, the Bible says he just took a walk and looked around the temple. And the next day he came back and he kicked out all the guys who were doing business in the, in the temple. And he just said, this is not a place for you to make money for yourself off of others. And the, the Jewish leaders, you know, they got, they got so focused on, on finances and money and bringing in money. And they would make a big show of every time that they would give in order to try to get other people to give more. And we see that still today. You know, I, we, we have, uh, I, I, I got to be honest, as a pastor, sometimes that's the temptation to say our church needs money. You know, I got, how can I get people to give more money? And, and then just have to, to, to be reminded that, hey, this is God's church. And he's our provider. And especially on a Sunday like today when we're talking about giving, it's easy to get into that mode uh, and, and to do one of two things. Either to say, you know, we're going to talk about giving and we just really need to, you know, inspire the people to give more. Or to go the opposite way and say, you know, I've heard so many bad messages on giving and so many, you know, that... Um, been in so many situations where it's just you feel that greed and so let's just not say anything about giving what we want to do is say what did Jesus say about giving and to become like him because this is what it means to be a Christian is to follow him and and not to to get our own our, our own slants on giving in there but to really grab a hold of him what he's saying and if Jesus talked about giving uh, more than any other topic then we need to talk about it. Jesus said there's a blessing in giving. So what does that look like? Jesus is saying it looks like this widow who gave not to make a show of it, who gave not just out of the excess of what she had, but gave as a demonstration of her love for God. Even though it was not a big amount, it was a significant amount for her. Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 40, talks about how the, the religious leaders would give. Jesus also taught them and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they would be more severely punished. And so I don't want to be more severely punished, so we're not going to say a long prayer. <laughs> but we are going to talk about these widows who give. And our goal is, isn't to, to, to take money from the poor that squeeze every last drop out of them. But it is to recognize that there's a place, what Jesus calls us to do. When he called us, he said, you know, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to lay down your life. And it's really the heart behind it. The heart behind our giving that's the most important. 
And, and that's our, our, uh, an, another point that, that Jesus is really making. He says that God not only sees differently, he, he not only sees things differently from how we see them, but he also values differently. And so what God values in our lives is really the, coming into the place of sacrifice, the place where we, we give based on our heart, our, our affection for him as a reflection of what's in our hearts. And so as a church, we never want to be in a place where we are trying to guilt trip you into giving. We're trying to manipulate into giving. We do want to be in a place where we are encouraging you and, and, and encouraging the love of God in you. And then encouraging you to live out of that love. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you have a lot to give or little to give. What matters is that we have a heart to give. When we give to God, honestly, it's, it's kind of like uh, little kids, you know, buying their, their mother a, a Mother's Day gift or buying their parents a, a birthday gift. It's kind of like, Dad, can I have some money to buy you a birthday gift? You know? <laughs> Dad, can I have some money? I want to buy Mom a Mother's Day gift. This is really what it is. You know, in the end, it all comes from Him and it's all going to end up back with Him. But in the meantime, we get to be stewards. And what we want to do is, in the ways that we handle our finances, we want it to be a reflection of our heart for God. And that's how God views it. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. God, Jesus says it this way, When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And so it's not a matter of the amount that you give. It's really a matter of how you manage what you've been given. And that as you give, it's a reflection of your heart towards God regarding what you've been blessed with. And so some will have a lot to be able to give. Others will have very little to give. But it's not the amount that you give. It's the heart. And it's not only talking about finances, but really, as Jesus talks about giving, it's really, he, he wants our whole hearts and our whole lives to be given to him. And that's showing up in the second story that we're going to look at today, extravagant giving. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. The second story, this also happened this last week that Jesus was in Jerusalem. He says, then he, uh, Jesus visited, he went to this house of one of the, actually one of the religious leaders, Simon. And Simon had invited him to his home for, for a, a meal. And so Jesus came, and there's her sitting around the eating, eating together. A woman comes in, a woman of ill repute. People knew who she was. She was an immoral woman. And she came up, and, and she came behind Jesus, and she took this, this jar of, made out of alabaster filled with expensive perfume in fact um, theologians say that the guys who study church history uh, bible history they say that 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 um, jar of uh, perfume is probably worth a whole year's wages so you go from a woman who gave two small coins which they say was was worth a 164th of a day's wage so for a day uh, day labor you take 164th of what you would earn in a day and that's what she gave. And this other woman now, this, this immoral woman, she took a whole year's wages 
And the Bible recounts how she she broke open. Once once the alabaster jar was broken open, um, you had to use the perfume. And she poured out all the perfume and, and washed Jesus' feet using her hair to wash his feet. And people were like, whoa, what's, you know, first they're saying, well, Jesus, you know this is a woman of, an immoral woman, you're letting her touch your feet. If you're really a religious leader, you would never let this happen. And so Jesus then, here's how he responds. He turns to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. It's interesting when you when you when you read this in the context, it, it can kind of just slide by us. But if this was in our homes today, what Jesus is saying is the normal tradition: someone comes, especially any guest comes to your house, the normal thing is to have your your servants or to create a place where you wash their feet because everybody came in with dust on their feet. They all wore sandals. As you walk the streets in those days, they didn't have paved roads like now, and the animals just kind of lived out. In, out in the open there around the house you'd have the chickens and different things around and so you have all this the, the dust and you have all the the debris and, and you know all the the, um, the the chicken poop out there and you know the dog poop and the cat poop and all that and so they're walking through that and they come into your house and so in our house we ask you to take off your shoes but in their houses they would wash your feet that was just a normal tradition so it'd be kind of like in our house if a person came into the door uh, and you didn't greet them you didn't say hi, uh, or in in uh, you know you didn't offer them something to drink. Have to hear in Taiwan, do you want a drink? Uh, Hong Kong is always you want something to eat. You know that's the normal greet. Uh, normal greeting in, in in Hong Kong is have you eaten yet? That's what you always say, um, and then people say uh, you know a little, and, uh, and then if the, if if you're really hungry, uh, if they really want to give you food, they'll say well no no please have something to eat you know and then they'll say uh, you know no 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 you have to say it three times no and then after the third time you refuse then if you're if they really have food then they'll offer one more time and if you're really hungry then you can say okay I'll have something to eat you know it's just all this protocol that you walk through and so this is the normal protocol that's just customary especially for guests like Jesus who would be a guest of honor you would shake their hand and he didn't even shake his hand. In, in those days, offering a kiss was the normal greeting that she would do. And I know in my, in my family in, in Hawaii, my, on my mom's side, everybody greets with a kiss. So we all hug and you always kiss each other on the cheek. Uh, and none of that. No offering of a drink of water. No shaking a hand. No welcome. Like normally if someone comes into your home, you, you turn off the TV and you... You say, hi. They didn't turn off the TV. They didn't shake the hand. They didn't offer a glass of water. No greeting. This is how they treated Jesus. And so now she comes in. And, and obviously Jesus has made a huge difference in her life. 
And I don't know if the tears are just because of what Jesus has done for her or if it's also just the uh, feeling that the, the whole disrespect that they gave Jesus in that moment. And so she comes and fills the need. And I love how, how Jesus says here, you know, those who know they've been forgiven much, they love much. Those who feel like you haven't done anything for me lately, they don't forgive any. They don't, they don't show much love at all. And what's interesting when you read this story is Simon, the Bible says that, that he was both a religious leader, but also a leper. And so we know he didn't have leprosy at the time that Jesus came to his home because otherwise no one would eat with him and he couldn't be a religious leader. So at some point he had leprosy. And we also know that in those days there was no cure for leprosy. When you were a leper, you were left to die. You were, you were ostracized from society and just said, you, you, you just go die. And so most Bible theologians say that somewhere along the line, the reason why he would invite Jesus, who at that point the, the, the religious leaders wanted to kill, the reason why Simon would invite him to his home is because Simon was probably one of the lepers that Jesus healed. And so in essence, Simon owed Jesus his life. And so he would risk the bad reputation, the ostracization, uh, you know, being ostracized by his other, the other religious leaders who are looking for a way to kill Jesus, but he invited Jesus to come to his lunch. And yet there's a conflict. You feel that conflict like, okay, I, he saved my life, so I got to invite him for, for, for lunch. But man, he's, you know, he's a crazy man who all, all, all my colleagues uh, think he should be killed, and so I can't treat him too well. And this is how Simon is treating Jesus. And so Jesus says, you know, Simon, people who recognize the debt that they owe, they love. And so many of us, we're like that. We, we walk through life, we, 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 we so minimize what Jesus has done for us, what he's given us, how he's saved our lives through his death on the cross. And Jesus says, when you, when you recognize how much you've been given, you love more. And that's always the underlying motive in giving. And this is what Jesus is saying. It all flows from love. Giving is never an obligation. Giving never flows out of just duty or manipulation or pressure. It should flow out of heart of love. And so where giving begins is in the place of love. And as Christians, that's really what Christianity is all about. It's our pursuit of Jesus is not to earn his love because he has already loved us so much he gave his life for us. And the Bible says that's the greatest love anyone can have for us. And so Jesus has already loved us not only with his whole heart, but in his whole life. He loved us. And when we gather like this, and when we come together in our small groups or in our daily times of reading the Bible and praying, our goal is to learn more about the love of Jesus and to ask Jesus, Jesus, reveal more of the ways that you've given to me, the ways that you've loved me so that then as I'm filled with love and as I recognize how much you love me, then there's just a heart response of giving. And Jesus isn't after our money. He's after our whole lives. And, and what he's looking for, like this woman, she gave no money to, to, to Jesus. 
but she extravagantly demonstrated her love. And as we walk through life, the ways that we treat other people should be an extravagant demonstration of the ways that Jesus has loved us. And the more that we recognize how much Jesus has loved us, the more that others will be impacted by our love. And that's the Christian life. And that's red letter living. We choose. Do we live with a constant awareness of how much Jesus has loved us? Or do we live ruled by money and the things that we think we need and have to get for ourselves? It's so interesting the different responses to this woman as she extravagantly poured out her love. Judas Iscariot, we all know Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. And here was his, his response in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and given money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole for himself. And so here's Judas, and this story, as just recounted in others of the Gospels, tell us that immediately after he saw this happen, he was so mad at Jesus and how that money was, in his mind, wasted on Jesus that he went out, founded the religious leaders and said, okay, I'll help you arrest Jesus. I'm his inner, in his inner circle. I can betray him to you. And we see these two responses to extravagant love. And the question for us is, when we see extravagant love, how do we respond? When we talk about money in the church, how do we respond? Is it, man, how can I bless? How can I give in a way that will demonstrate how much Jesus has loved me? Or is it, why are they talking about money again? I think we can use that money in other better ways. I want to encourage you. Let's be a people who, when we respond to the love of God, we respond in a way that demonstrates that love to others. Because all of us, we're broken. We're flawed. We might look at that woman and say, well, she's the immoral woman. But all of us, we are immoral men and women in need of a savior. And when we recognize how much we need the savior, then there's no limit to the the giving, the sacrifices that we make for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus said it this way, you, you can't serve God and money. And if our God is money and it's all about, even as a, a Christian leader for myself, as a pastor, if my God is money and I'm saying, you know, we just need more money in the church and we've got to have more money and, you know, I want to keep getting more money and, and, every, and the money's going to make all the decisions for our church. You know, what we can do is going to be based on how much money we have. And when I let money become our God and become my aim, then I could totally miss it. And my extravagance in, in wanting to, to, to give to God can become just uh, self-serving rather than an extravagant response to God's love for me. And so as a church, as we talk about giving, I want you to just take a moment. You know, it's interesting... um, moving here to Taiwan and we went to the National Museum and there's that one piece that everybody goes to look at, right? The, the cabbage. 
mostly because we all love, you know, Taiwanese love to eat and want cabbage, right? That picture of the cabbage is really, it, you know, it's, it's the, it, it is the, the, the number one piece everyone wants to see, the most valuable piece there in, 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 in the collection of art. And yet it's not the best piece of jade. It's flawed. It's really like a second grade jade with a lot of you know, impurities in it, a lot of flaws in it. But the reason why it's so valuable is because the artist, looking at that flawed piece of jade, could see the beauty in it. And he incorporated all the flaws and, and he, he brought out the beauty of it. And you and I, we're, we're like that. That's what Jesus has done for you and I. That's his desire for you and I is that if we will submit ourselves to the great artist's work in our lives, to his hand, and say, God, you shape and mold me according to your plan and purpose, then God will bring out the beauty even in our flaws. Like this woman, Jesus said, you know what this woman here did here today, everywhere the gospel is preached, people are going to talk about this extravagant love. He wasn't looking for a perfect religious person. This is a moral woman. But what Jesus did for her, the love that he poured out into her, forgiving her of her sins, she responded to his extravagant love with her extravagant love. And that's the beauty that God wants to bring out in us. So just bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, today, just um, as we spent these moments together on, on this Mother's Day, Lord, we are, are so grateful for the moms in our lives who've loved us extravagantly and shown us a part of your nature in the ways that they nurtured us, in the ways that they comforted us, in the ways that they spoke wisdom into our lives. And we thank you for that, Lord God, that, um, Lord, your great love for us, the nurture, the comfort, the wisdom that you pour into our lives. Father, I also just want to take a moment and pray for those who today are, are struggling, who have such a deep desire uh, to be a mom and, and uh, have that pain of not having yet seen that come to fruit. Father, I pray that you would come alongside them, comfort them, Lord God. And, and we pray, Lord God, right now we pray for those who are, are seeking children, that God, you would meet them and Lord, life would be birthed in them. Father, we're praying for many babies to come into this house spiritually and naturally. Father, also in this moment, God, uh, yeah, you know, just uh, as, as I've tried to really express what's written in your word and, and the, uh, in my, my, my poor words and, and meager attempts to, to try to uh, unpack and, and to, to explain, uh, Lord, the ways that you've loved us Father, I pray that you would just open the eyes of our hearts to see how much you've loved us, that like that immoral woman, we would recognize how deep our need is for you. And that, Father God, we would open our hearts to your love. And that, Father, as we see how much you've loved us, that we in turn would be, become a loving people, that, God, we would have generous hearts, that hearts that would be, Lord, always ready, whether all we have is just the, the, the widow's pennies 
or Lord God, if 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 what we have, whatever whatever we have at home, Lord God, uh, the the greatest things in our life, like that woman with her alabaster box, Lord, would just be broken and and spilled out for you. Most of all, God, that that we would live with generous hearts wherever we are. So, Father, today we we thank you for that love. And maybe there's some of you here who are just beginning to understand how much Jesus loves you and just beginning to recognize your own immorality and need for a Savior. So today, if if that's you, um, I'm just going to ask to pray this prayer. Father, we ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me of my immorality. Wash wash me clean, Lord, uh, from my, my own brokenness and my own sins. Forgive me, Jesus. And come and live in my heart, Lord, and and fill me with your love. And come and be Lord of my life. Come and and be the great creator, the great artist to shape and mold me with all of my flaws to something beautiful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.